that we're here to meet with God tonight, and I sense that uh, God has been working, and I think he's going to move very wonderfully tonight. I've been very blessed and encouraged. Let me read for you two portions of scripture. We'll go to the Lord in prayer. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, from verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. Verse 20, But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard of him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put ye on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Next portion of scriptures, First John chapter 2 from verse 15. First John 2.15 to 17, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God shall abide forever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have been working in this place. And Lord, we thank you that we are in your presence. We thank you, Lord, for the calling that you have on our life to holiness and true purity by the power of the gospel, the purpose of your coming, the purpose of creation, and all that you've desired in this world, and all that you desire to do in your people, the church. And Lord, we are here today to meet with you. And Lord, we want to walk pleasing and upright to you, if indeed we are the children of God. And Lord, only you know because you search the hearts and reins. You will try the hearts and reins to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. And Lord, we hear that we are to put off and to put on, to turn away from worldly pleasures, delights, the lust of the flesh. And those things that are not pleasing to you. But oh God, we are overflowing with compromise in our generation, in the professed church of Jesus Christ. And now, Father, here in this place, before the holy angels and all the saints of all the angels, we are here to give an account. We are here to meet with the living God who speaks clearly by his spirit and by his word. And man may disappear and words may fail. But your spirit pierces deep because your desire is stronger. For Lord, love is strong as death and many waters cannot quench it and floods can never drown 
Nor substance cannot buy it. Love's a priceless crown. And you have loved us, your church. And you gave yourself for us. And you will settle for nothing less. Such a wonderful free gift. And yet, Lord, we tremble in fear. We tremble before you if we've experienced anything of your glory and goodness. And Lord, we see you as you are, that we might worship you as we ought. Lord Jesus, would you let our hearts and minds be touched by your spirit tonight. Flood this atmosphere with your presence. Let your holy word pierce and penetrate us deep, God. We don't want to hear from man. Vain is the words of man. We all know the scriptures. We know truths. But, oh, God, unless you move upon the word, Lord, no man will be saved. We won't be set apart or sanctified lest we respond to the voice of the Spirit of God. So, God, my pleading has been, as we've been praying, God, that you would touch our hearts. Show us what you want from our lives and show us where we are not right. Because, Lord, only a holy church is your church. And, Lord, because of iniquity abounding, the love of most will grow cold. And we have many beautiful professors and yet so few that really possess you. And Lord, we acknowledge the glory of heaven. Even now in this place as you are the living God speaking by your spirit and by your word. We hear the saints and angels crying, holy, holy, holy Lord God almighty. Heaven and earth is full of your glory. We hear, Lord, this glorious cry. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive blessing and honor and glory and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. As we come into this holy place, this place that is called by your name, we open the Holy Bible, the Holy Word of God, and we seek to be ministered to by the Holy Spirit of glory, and we seek to be possessed by a holy Christ who makes a holy people. And I pray that we won't be deceived, mighty God. As you said, be not deceived, God is not mocked. And Lord, too many are mocking and we know the hypocrisy of our heart, Jesus. We come to be open and honest before you, and we beg you to speak. We beg you to penetrate our darkness, God. Our churches are lying barren, oh God. Spiritual fruit is not bursting. Spiritual vision and revelation is not coming through, God. We're distracted and carried about by many a wind and wave. Jesus, would you work in us that glorious vision of eternity? Lord, if we don't love holiness here, how can we love you? How can we love heaven? If we don't know you, Lord Jesus, how can we ever understand anything of these amazing purposes throughout all history? Lord Jesus, would you meet us in this time? And in your mercy, would you speak? Would you show us the power of your truth that sets us free? Would you show the terrifying wrath that you will pour out on sin because you hated sin so much? You showed the extremity of your wrath that on your perfect and holy Son, so flawless, so pleasing to you, you would pour out your wrath, wherein we could be saved. Lord, and as though that were a little thing, yet you would call us all by the gospel truth, that you would give us a chance to hear the truth again and again, and again and again, and allowing us to hear it, though many times we had hardened our heart. How much we know and how little we apply. Oh God, would you speak by your Spirit? As I sense, God, you are moving and working and speaking already, but God, there's many things you want. Lord, would you speak clearly and decisively your purpose and your plans throughout all the ages to be revealed, even the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, even, Lord, as you have chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before you in love. 
God, I pray that practical walk of sincere love would be real. For Lord Jesus Christ, there's no man or woman ever cleansed from sin that could casually live in it. No man could be pardoned of his wickedness and still love his wickedness. And I only pray again, God, that in this place there would be one likened unto the Son of God, whose eyes burn as a flame of fire, that there would be this beauty of fire, that there would be the glory of the living God and the Christ whom we have heard of and seen vaguely even as a, as a dim glass. And now, Lord Jesus, we have the chance to behold you in your glory and majesty without dying. Lord, and yet we are changed in your presence. And Lord, I sense that you are dealing deeply because you are going to change us wonderfully. And Lord, we long to hear from heaven. We long to be changed and transformed. We long for your presence to saturate our soul and your revelation to be upon us. Lord, the power of your spirit to revive us. Open our ears, open our hearts, open your word and glorify your name. And bring forth much fruit in this house that is called by your name. This church, this pillar and ground of the truth in this location as we have deigned that this is a holy place to worship the holy God for your holy purposes. As you have commanded us to love not the world, but to run and flee its lusts and pleasures and passions. Let us hear your voice today. Let us be sensitive to your truth, Lord. We just bless you and thank you that you have a plan. And I pray, Lord, not one person would leave this place without fully entering into your plan for their life. Lord, we have many meetings, but what are meetings, God? We're living souls, and one rejection to one truth can penetrate into our tender hearts. I ask, God, that we would come under your glorious mercy of change rather than your judgment, even under hardness. For even, Lord, as many times in your word you said, let their ears be hardened that they cannot hear in their hearts, dulled that they cannot receive, their eyes blinded, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and be converted. Lord, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of fullness. Today is the day of opportunity. Today is again in a valley of decision. And we're going to make choices to hear the truth or not, to receive or not, to repent or not, to walk with you or not. And we need, Lord, clear, decisive points before us, our hearts to be laid open because you're the true and living God and you have a plan. Bless you, Lord, and thank you for this time and thank you that you're desiring to do something wonderful because you love us, because you're merciful to us, and you warn us for your glory and your goodness. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. He's worthy. And we have read these portions of scriptures very soberly because we know very clearly that these things are very common. But let me read again in its context that God in his majesty and in his glory and his authority in heaven has a desire and a worship and a life. Revelation chapter 4 verse 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. God created all things. He is worthy. He deserves the glory and blessing of the whole world because he's so good, because he's so worthy to receive all glory from our life and honor from our life and all power in all the world and all the universe because he's created all things and he created all things for his pleasure. You and I, not to be vessels of wrath, but for his pleasure. 
and even more so all of the world in God's good desire, his love of benevolence, God's love of desire. God loved a wicked world and said, I want what's best for you and I will give my all that you might walk in what is best for you. A a desire for the goodwill of the world. And he laid down his life, the life of his son for such a purpose. And as though that were a small thing, he'd call us by the gospel and we could enter into that communion with God, the holy God through the precious blood of Jesus Christ shed for you and me in the wickedness of our sins, and he would wash us and cleanse us and make us new. He is worthy. And he's created all of us for his pleasure and glory. You're not alive for your pleasure. Pleasure might come, it might go. But we are not moved by pleasure like the world is. We don't live after the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life if we are the children of God. So may we hear again this warning because it's very important. Because it's very important to listen to Revelation chapter 5 from verse 11. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. And thousands of thousands sang with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever and ever. And all the saints say amen. And all the angels and all the saints of all the ages say amen. And one day we'll meet with them all and we'll be at a judgment seat. Listen again to the text we read in the beginning, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Ephesians four seventeen. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth not walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. The natural desires of the mind like the Gentiles There's a very clear distinction made between the children of God and the children of the devil, the children who are right with God, the children who are not right with God. Man may blur it. We all might look the same. We all might smile the same. We might uh, do many of the same things. But there's one living distinction, and that's the reality of Jesus Christ in us. That's the only answer on the judgment day. Are we walking in him? Are we walking in his spirit? We might look the same as any other. We might look as holy as it's possible to look. And yet the distinction is not in the outward appearance. But the warning comes strong and clear that we don't walk as other Gentiles walk. Again, we use the word conversation, which means your whole lifestyle. Beloved, we are battling with a spirit that's moving in the world and in the church. A spirit... Self, self-pleasure, self-desire, the vanity of the mind. 
unless Satan should beguile you as he did Eve, right, through his subtlety. What did he present? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye and the pride of life. But beloved, so few in the church are walking soberly. So few in the church are desiring to be in that communion with Christ and sensitivity into his spirit. Beloved, would we hear his voice today? Would we be sensitive to say, Jesus, I want you to have full and utter control of my life. Because we're not to walk as the other Gentiles walk. And there's something glorious in holiness. Right? As God is glorious in holiness and fearful in praises, doing wonders. I thank God that he has a purpose for us as people. And I thank God this word comes very clear. Listen again. Verse 22. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Beloved, that you put off. Many people, when they were first saved, they remember the wrath of God that was revealed to them upon sin, the sin they lived in, and the revelation that they were lost sinners that deserved hell because they really enjoyed their sins. Beloved, I want to ask you again, have you been saved? I know many people have had strong feelings in a meeting and they had some encouragement like, yes, I really want some good thing. I really want God. I've been convicted of sin. There's been some agitation to my conscience. That's not enough. You must be born again. It must be a repentance from the heart. And if the heart is changed, the life will be changed. Many people have been touched in a meeting, and yet after a year, two years, three years, four years, five years, they are quite contented not being fervent in prayer. And you will know their hearts by their conduct their words, their actions, their attitudes. Beloved, would you search your heart? Have you had a time when you had wonderful experiences with God? Well, how has that been? If it's in truth, it's consistent. If you walk in the light, it has to be thorough and complete. You cannot walk partly in darkness and mostly in the light. Because if the light of the body is the eye, therefore if thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if that light in thee be darkness, then how great is that darkness? Is there any portion of darkness in your heart and in your life? Is there any spot of the flesh? Is there any dark area of your heart, something hidden, something not right? As I said last night, let us take diligent heed to ourselves that we might properly instruct and train and guide our children that there could be a blessing in the generations to come. As we pray and as we live, let us live in the light of this heritage of godliness and let us have something worth passing on to the next generations, two and three generations down. What do I desire to see in my children or grandchildren? I want to see my likeness. I want to see, oh, there, yeah, he has grandpa's eyes. No. What do I long to see? The same thing I'm blessed to see every time when Jesus Christ penetrates new areas of lives, when people are changed more into the image of Jesus, and we're in such a crucial time and people are sleeping in the light, we can fight about a thousand different things. We can argue about a million things. What a shame. 
Where are the prayers? Where's the fervency? Where's the tears? Where's the wrestling? Where's the warfare of the people of God? Where is the bearing one another's burdens and fulfilling the law of Christ? May God help us. May he revive us with a fire of love that we might be that Barnabas and encourager, that we might come alongside and strengthen the hands of another. May the Lord strengthen and bless his people. May his presence be upon his people again. May we be a holy people. And may we say, what is the better way? We could use our time like this or like this, and may we pray over it and choose the wisest way. We could conduct ourselves like this or like this. We could choose to do this with our free time or this with our free time. We could talk like this or we could talk like that. We could spend our mental energies like this or like that. Beloved, do you realize that it's always this dichotomy, these double directions that are before us, choices, everyday choices. And the command is don't be like the world. And I'm so sad that I've been around the churches for so many years. In my first year of being a Christian, I went to more than 200 churches, observed and saw, and as we ministered, shared, testified, raised funds or whatever, I saw a lot of compromise, and I saw few that knew God. There were some, praise God, there were many in some churches and some in others, but I got a lot of observation. But beloved, if the light that is in you be darkness, then how great is that darkness? I pray you will be very sensitive right now to put off the old man. What is the old man? Well, were you saved? When were you saved? Do you remember the nature that you lived in, the things you liked, the things you desired, the things you enjoyed, the things you lusted after? Pride and praise and power and name. And Wow, how quickly we can be right back there. But now we take the name of Jesus with us. And now he will add to me. Now I'm all the better because now it's Jesus that I testify of. And yet we enjoy all the same things we used to enjoy. We do all the same things we used to do. Our love is still is just divided. Paul is very kind in his communication, but he's saying that I testify in the Lord. What a powerful authority that he communicates on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. That you from now on don't walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. He says this to the Christians that were there. He said, these Gentiles like you were, don't walk like you were and like they are in the vanity of their mind. What is vanity? Lightness, emptiness, worthlessness. Can be evil also. It can just be just casual, just drifting on worthlessly, aimlessly. Light and fluffy like the air, just moving on. I ask you, is your mind steadfast on Christ or does it just drift on? I know we have many apps that promote many foolish driftings. Not only vain babblings, but the vanity of the mind. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And every stroke of the finger if you scroll on a phone, like Facebook alone, takes a lot of work to purge to make a holy... uh, Facebook of Christ. It's very, very challenging. And many apps are full of trash. No, they'll show you one or two good things that you really want to see, but they'll show you a bunch of other things. Now, beloved, where is your heart? Just aimlessly drifting on casually? Or are you determined? Are you resolved? When things come up, do you shut it down and put it aside? I'm talking to you. 
your heart. Where is it at? It shows where your heart is at, the way you respond when temptations come. The world says, this is glory in life. Have a lot of money. Have a nice big vehicle. Have a nice big home or have something really fancy. Have something nice. And we, ex- we get excited in this world over worldly things. Do you know the church of Jesus Christ in America has an abundance of money? What are we doing with it? Talk about the vanity of the mind. My, oh my. What things we can buy. How many things can we buy on uh, Amazon? We could take a million years and talk about products on Amazon. How many things are available to us? No wrong in it, but we have to be very sober, not just to let our heart drift aimlessly and carelessly in this world. Do you understand what God is saying? Put off, put off, put off. What are you doing? Like I said yesterday, God was stirring a business or a church or an organization has a mission statement. This is who we are. These two, three, four, five points are the points we live by, that we dictate our business by. And if our practices eventually need to change, they can change in proportion to these goals and aims and visions. And you as the children of God know the purpose for your calling is to be holy and without blame before him in love. He's designed, demanded holiness. Holiness means to be set apart. Well, set apart from what? Look through Facebook. I mean, you could say, these are all my Christian friends. Set apart from what? Set aside for hell? The compromise, and yet Christ is mingled in there everywhere. And you have to investigate, are they really genuinely born again? And I'm terrified to see any people that I've known over the years and how they are just drifting, 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 drifting. Now, I hate Facebook, but I go on once in a while. I love people, and then I love to see all the friends we've loved. I love to see families. I missed every single wedding here. I think I've missed every single wedding of all of my friends in America, but I see pictures. I still feel one with you, but I see so many people that I've known for 22 years. Do you know how many I know that really walk with God? Now, I've shared and I've poured out my heart to you. I have preached the heart of God to you. I've known some of you for a long time. Beloved, are you walking holy in the presence of God? Are you living holy? Is is Christ's love burning in you? Is your life and your disposition, your thoughts, your words, your actions, your facial expressions, your clothes, your hair, your shoes, your house, your car, does everything testify to the glory of God that I am his and he is mine and I am satisfied in him? In every manner of conversation means every aspect of life. Do you have a holy facial expression? Not the one you go to church with and say, Hi, how are you? Praise the Lord. Oh, I'm good. But a genuine life. Are you the same in secret? Do you pray? Many times people pray fervently in the house of God and yet they won't pray at home. Beloved, every manner of conversation. How many years have been wasted in compromise? Just little slight compromises and how much ground has been lost. Do you realize how many children are now slipping on their way to hell because of the compromise in families? Well, the Spirit speaks clearly. The vanity of the mind. And the Gentiles, they have their understanding darkened. And they're alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work 
all uncleanness with greediness. The way of the Gentiles is just drift on. Relax, just go on. And their understanding is blinded and dulled and hardened. Their hearts become dulled over and God turns them over. Why? Because of the willful blindness of the heart. Now, on the positive side, God knows every stand you have taken in your heart. Every time you've been willing to resist the flow. And God says, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, son. Well done, daughter. Good job. And when we die, where he's going to bring all of those scenes before us. And we're going to think, oh, I forgot about that. But it was hard. And God's going to see. Yeah. We're going to be like, wow. Don't forget that. The Father loves you. And he wants to reward the faithful. He rewards the righteous. He sees the stand. He sees the cries. He sees the, the prayers. He sees our life. He sees our conduct. And he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. But it was because of the willful blindness of their hearts that they were dulled. God is so faithful to warn us again and again and again and again and again. Paul is writing to these that had been touched and he were, they were changed. And earlier he wrote that you were children of the devil, but now you're children of God. You lived according to the, the powers of the devil, but now you are freed. And yet again, he turns again to rebuke, to, to urge them by the Lord Jesus Christ that they would not walk as other Gentiles. That they would put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Conversation means what? Every aspect of your life. The way you walk, the way you talk, the reason you do everything you do, the facial expressions, the things you do, the words you say, the thoughts you have, the things you put on, the ways you choose to use your time, the ways you use your money, every single aspect of your life, every single detail. And when we live holy in that way, every aspect of our life shines in holiness. There's a consistency. And do you know what? There's a deep joy in spite of all the sufferings. Do you have a witness of the Spirit of God? Do you know deeply where you're at? And do you have a witness that every area of your life is as holy as it should be? Because, oh, beloved, if not, how many wonderful treasures of God we can miss. And many people will miss heaven because of our slight compromises or because of the, the devil's children in the house of God and the people will slip on with a bad example and just say, okay, it's okay. Such and such, they are really good. I really like them and they have little compromise. Well, I don't compromise, but hey, how many young people I've seen swept away, one or two fallen and like dominoes. I'd be terrified if it were in families and you see one after another, after another, after another. I've seen parent after parent, year after year, weeping and weeping. And even the more so as I came, talking to people everywhere, I'm seeing so many more just turning aside, growing weary and well-doing. Beloved, I pray that you would weep. If you're compromised, that you would weep for yourself. And if you really love Jesus, you would weep for those that are compromising because they don't realize the treasures they're missing. They don't realize how they're encouraging people to compromise. Because when your life is not right, you are encouraging people to compromise. You're a stumbling block in the house of God rather than a stepping stone. May we take God very seriously at his word. Let me move quickly. But you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, 
which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. If you live in the flesh, you shall die. What does that mean? Usually we like to think of like radical sins. You know, then we're in the flesh because, oh, you know, looks fleshly. It just means the pleasures of this world more than loving God. The old man, he was corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. What is deceitful? Full of trickery. Like the devil cunning. The subtlety of Satan to deceive Eve. Deceitful lusts. Natural desires, but deceitful. Some serpents in the desert that hide their face and show their tail. By wiggling their tail, they can deceive the birds to come to grab their tail and they take the bird. Sometimes the devil doesn't show his face. Just shows the tail, some little dainty, something that you desire and you don't realize it before it's too late. But beloved, a little compromise will drag you much further than you could ever dream. I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know what's in your lives, but you know. But there is very, very, very serious, serious air flooding in the church everywhere. So much compromise, so much ungodliness. And we're willing to be as, as casual as can be or as worldly as can be. If people check our schedule, our life, our time, our communications, what we watch, what we do, and they'd have a good idea on why we do it, wow, would it testify of Jesus? Beloved, Jesus Christ died to redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. We talked yesterday about this nature of sin and self-love, that in the last days people will be lovers of their own selves and covetous and boasters and proud and blasphemers and disobedient to parents. Just this attitude of me. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to listen to the government. I don't want to listen to parents. I don't want to listen to church leaders unless they tell me what I want to hear. And we just drift on. Me, 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 me. How do you know if a child is obedient? Well, when you tell the child to do something they don't want to do. I was in a program. They woke me up. And they said, you have to go clean all the bathrooms, all 12 stalls or whatever it was, some stalls. And the, I said, what? I'm faithful in my duty. What are you saying? No, no, your name is on the list and you didn't do it. I said, my name wasn't on the list. Show me or whatever. And they woke me up and they just, you know, said, go do it. Okay, Lord, help me to just be humble, to enjoy your presence. Lord, I'm here to clean the bathrooms as unto you. And especially in this difficult trying time, I like sleep, right? Especially when I'm just falling asleep. And they woke me up late to do it. I know that it was just a ploy. I know they wanted to just test me to see if I'm really in the flesh or am I in the spirit. Hello, God allows you to be tested. Uh, parents and leaders and neighbors and friends and family. Little sister, big sister, big brother, little brother. God allows you to be tested. Little children, right? I thought I had iron patience, right? I could suffer the afflictions of 10 men. And two little girls floored me. <laughs> my brother also was testifying today that, yeah, like, the children really showed me this area of my life I didn't realize I had. And this anger and impatience. Well, beloved, are we real or not? What are you going to do when those things come up? What are you going to do when the flesh rises? What are you going to do? Beloved, you have many choices throughout the week, and those little choices will be great victories or great destructions. 
to the tenderness of your conscience. Do you understand? Put off those things. Why? Because it's Jesus that's loved you. And you haven't learned Christ in that way. You actually understand. And now you have learned of Christ. And if so, be that you have heard of him and have been taught by him. Taught by Jesus, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. That you put on the new man. That you're renewed in the spirit of your mind. That you put on the new man. Putting away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Don't be a liar. I'd love to have you testify. Stand up and raise your hand and testify. Yes, I'm walking in obedience to Jesus right now. There's no area of compromise in my life. How many of you will jump up now and testify and say, yes, in Jesus' name. I'm walking upright with him. The testimony of my conscience is clear and the Holy Ghost bears me witness. I am walking right with God right now. He's gone. One, two, three, five, six, right? But we need to be sensitive that way and we need to be walking in that way ready. Because do you realize that if you die right now, you're standing before God, there's no second chance. And then he's going to show the truth, no matter how you felt. But there is a Holy Spirit of God, and he bears witness. But we need to be very careful. So yes, praise God, we need to be able to have that walk with God that we know that right now I'm walking in present obedience. Praise God. And then we need this sharp provoking and loving of one another. Lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sometimes it's ignorance, but sometimes there's a deceiving of sin. So don't lie to one another. So if you did say yes, it's okay. But, you know, brothers and sisters, let's be careful. Let's search our hearts thoroughly and let's provoke one another sincerely because we ought not to just be casual about this walk with God. Our life impacts every single member of the body for better or for worse. And we're members one of another. And God has his ways to draw those things out. God has his ways. But we're to put away lying and to speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. What does that mean? Let's speak the truth one to another because we are members one of another. We are part of one body. We are all from many different places even now, but yet we are one body. Verse 26, the command, be ye angry. Amen. <laughs> be angry. Can I ask you again, what has made you angry this last week or this last month? Something that really stirs you deep. Is your anger holy? Uh, when you're angry about the, you know, the rebellion and attitudes of the children, how do you handle yourself? Do you respond in rage and anger of, of ungodliness? Or is it an anger onto a choice of doing what's right because this is so bad? Well, we need to search our hearts, but we should be angry a lot more than we are. And we should be angry about different things than usually we are because God is angry. He's angry even every day. He's angry with the wicked. He's angry with sin. Beloved, are we angry with sin? We're so quick to pass over our own sins and even look at another. Or, you know, like you say politics, and then people are like, they start pointing and, getting excited and angry. 
Beloved, there's so much more in life than out there. We're talking in here. The house that is called by his name. The house of the living God. The church of the living God. The pillar and ground of the truth. Let us really speak truth one to another. And let's really be angry about the things that are destroying lives. Beloved, I pray that you are really angry and angry tonight. That you are really upset about those things that are destroying the testimony of Christ among his people. The Bible says the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. The true and living God was blasphemed among the world because his clearly testified known people had turned away from him. And we now testify by the name of Christian or Bible believers or born-again ones or whatever name we use. Beloved, let us walk worthy of this vocation wherewith we're called. 1 John, again, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are of the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Beloved, are you walking in the love of God or the love of the world? I'll be very honest. I ask a lot of people this question all the time, and I've asked even my students, and I've heard very many, very many good words. And they will testify, oh, yeah, I'm doing good. Are you? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's talk. What have you done this week? Here's a few rules. Have you followed these? Here's some things I asked you to do. Did you do it? Or did you lie about it? Did you cheat on your homework? Did you? And starting question by question by question with practical love. Oh, by the end of the communication, instead of being a good, godly, sweet, holy, humble student, they're a lying, thieving, cheating, glory-robbing mocker of God, and they see it. But we need practical communication sometimes because oh, we can compare ourselves among ourselves and say, well, I don't act like that. And we can see other people's faults really good. But beloved, if we really search our hearts, do you love the world? Is there any area of your life you might love the world? I lay that before you and God. Go to the Lord and pray. Now I care for our brothers in the discipleship, and I search them out through and through that I might encourage them with practical guidance. As the Lord wills, I'll share more about convictions and formulation of convictions and who we are and what we are and why we are and how we can testify and how we can answer questions that are important. I pray to be able to share that because we need to be able to communicate loud and clear who we are. We ought to be able to have communication of our, our family vision, our, our convictions. What do we believe of Christ? What practical guidance would we give to our children? Or what practical guidance must we as leaders communicate to the church? What ought we to testify to a world that's dead in sins? Well, beloved, I think we could have a meeting and we could all write down things and we could all write very clearly and easily because we know very well many things that God wants. But you talk to one about some fancy rims on their fancy new car and they get all in arms about it. You say, well, it doesn't seem so modest use of money to pay $1,000 per rim. Like, who are you to judge me? God blessed me. Like, boy, I've heard that TV preacher before. Well, beloved, it's very easy for us to compare ourselves among ourselves as the unwise. 
But may we really search our hearts. There needs to be a deep searching. For our students, I, I shared the Google account information and I inquired of their life and helped them to see what they did with their time in great detail. And I had, I had men just come in smiling and I'm so good and godly and thank God by the grace of God they went out crying. Well, we, we prayed and cried out to God, but it's a good thing to have practical love. Can I say this again, brothers and sisters? It's a good thing to have practical love. And I don't think I'm really special. I don't think I'm very good at all. But I pray that we could have that love for each other. And if I were to sit down with each one of you, I think we could have a good time to talk and pray. And God might show you many sins in your life. Or God might show me things that I've, that I've been holding on to or anger or attitudes or selfishness and so on. But that comes out in relationships. How many of you young people are not married? Quite a few, okay. Well... There's a deeper work of sanctification. When you are joined together in one flesh, right? One flesh. It's great to see the nail on the tree. It's different to have the nail in your flesh. Okay? There's, there's more pain that comes when you have more friction. And it's easy for somebody who's usually always alone to have just happy humility in the mirror. I mean, my and my God, thank you, Lord. And then all of a sudden we get married and all of a sudden it's like, we, we might have more of the finger pointing, but then we, we pray and God deals, right? There's, there's something practical in relationship. Now, I talked about marriage, but that's how it should be in the church of God. I love you. You love me. Let's talk. But do you know what I shared with our brothers, the same as we share with these at Teen Challenge, as I went through the program 22 plus years ago or so? Here's the rules. Here's the standards, Because God wants to change your life. He wants to make you holy and set you free, completely free, because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He'll deal with every issue of your heart, radically change you, set you free, give you stability, clarity, vision, and purpose. Do you want it? Yes or no? Here's the rules of the program. You can't do what you want to do when you want to do it. You have to wake up at this time, go to sleep at this time, eat at this time, work at this time, go to chapel at this time, wear that, don't wear that, do this, don't do that, go to work now, stop work now, go. Well, it's good practical discipleship. Why do people come under discipleship? Because they want to be like the leader that's discipling. Beloved, why do people want to become the children of God? Because they see you have something they want. That's why if there's contentions in families, if parents are fighting and quarreling and so on, then it can hurt the children and they see like, well, I don't want what you have. As a sinner, I said, I don't want to get married. People ask me, well, why don't you get married? I even got saved and I still was like, I hadn't hardly seen a marriage that I'd want to emulate. I don't want to get married. A lot of nice people I met, I'm sure. A lot of people tried to hook me up. (laughs) But beloved, what do we live? What are we doing? Well, I thank God that those who really want to be in Christ-likeness will ask counsel of those that are more mature, right? Ye that are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted, right? If any man be overtaken in a fault, sometimes we have to communicate strongly to each other to rebuke, to exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Do you understand that? We don't often hear that. I mean, almost every single church that I know of, they're very nice. 
And they don't really want to say too much to offend too many people. I guess that's why I don't have a church, right? <laughs> I guess that's why all the people that have come, they've gone. Maybe it's just a mission. They've heard the truth and they've went and... Well, maybe we lit them on fire and they spread the fire everywhere like the foxes that had their tails tied together. The Lord knows, but uh, we're not going to compromise. And I pray that you also would be resolved in your heart that you will not compromise because we are not living for the pleasure of men. I look at your faces because I love you, but I'm seeing Jesus only. I want his smile and I want your heart touched because God wants to touch my heart, touch our hearts. He wants to change us. He wants to draw out of us, all of us, that he might pour in us himself. And unless you're empty, you cannot be filled. And we have such a terrible testimony in the house of God when we're distracted by so many other things. When we're not fervent in prayer. When our zeal and desire is not consistent. But do you love the world? Or the things of the world? If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The love of the Father is not in him. Usually we read this radical division and we say, Oh, that's surely not me anymore. Before Christ, yes, but now, no, no, I'm okay now. But we're in a very different, difficult world. America is still very easy for Christians. Our heads aren't rolling too fast yet. Just like India, there's often enough threat to keep the church sleeping, not enough persecution to wake it up. And right now, there's enough distractions to keep people distracted. And yet not provoke us to a full awakening of serious, fervent prayer and holiness. But the judge standeth at the door. The judge stands at the door. Our time is short. If you love the world, beloved, if you love the world, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Let's stop for a second and take inventory. We would always ask, and my brothers would always say, Yeah, oh, I love Jesus. I don't love the world. Oh, yeah, what have you been watching this week? With your eyes, what have you intentionally, willingly been watching or looking at or gazing upon or thinking upon? What apps did you use? How long did you use them? Why did you use them? What did you look at? What did you do? Why did you do it? And people start to see the big issue, the heart. If the heart not right. The fruits will not be right. You'll know the roots by the fruits also. And I pray that you would search your fruits. Or might I say, if somebody who really knew you really searched you out thoroughly, would they say, wow, you are really holy? Well, we would search ourselves very casually. But if you're the cancer specialist and you get your own reviews, you're really wanting to look and see, is there any cancer in me? You're not going to trust what some other doctor is going to say about it. You know this very well. Well, as a child of God or as a, as a person in whom the Spirit of God has come to dwell and to commune with, he will show you very clearly. And sometimes God's so merciful that he'll put things in our face. Like, you're a rebel. We'll be like, no, I'm not. Like, Go through like a 35 mile an hour speed limit at 60. I'm in a hurry every day. I mean, just like, I just don't want to submit to the rules. Like, why should I? You know, I hate that officer anyway. Or, or these are just silly rules anyways, or whatever. We get that often at the Bible training. We get that often in many other places. We get that often in church. We get that often in families. 
We hear that in society all the time. But beloved, if Jesus is asking you, what answers could you give? Beloved, I pray that you would take this very seriously. Because the Holy God is looking. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Let me run through some scriptures quick. We know that the purpose of God in creation was that he would create unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. He's ordained us from the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And Titus chapter 2 from verse 11 says, But the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The grace of God comes teaching us to live a holy life, to turn away from and resist and run from anything that is not pleasing to the Father. Hello, a holy life is turning away from everything that is not pleasing to the Father. At a time of conversion, it's a change of our heart towards sin as a whole. You cannot let go of some sins and hold on to other sins. You cannot let go of the darkness that's made you sad and embrace the little bit of light to make you glad. It doesn't work that way. It's all or none. And right now also, you are in the light or you are in darkness. You love the Father or you do not, and the love of the Father is not in you. And it's amazing that we can so quickly be far away from the love of God and not even realize we've departed so far from it. We can still look the same, act the same. Everything is nice, but God allows strong hand of circumstances sometimes to show us what's really in our heart. Many times people don't examine themselves. But upon a rebuke, oh, what flesh can rise? I remember somebody came to me as I was a young Christian, sincere and zealous, but they came to me and they rebuked me. They were proud and they had their issues and they were uncomfortable with me, but it was a worldly thing anyways, and so they rebuked me. I was like, oh, this guy's just angry, you know, he's just picking on me because, you know, he's just a leader and, you know, he's fatter and I'm skinnier, so he's just jealous. (laughs) He just was angry at me and telling me that, you know, I'm not living a good example. I went and prayed about it, and God said he's right. Lord, I'm sorry. And you know what? From that day onward, I never walked in such conduct again. But beloved, if you have a heart for the things of God, he will show you. Sometimes he will rebuke you strongly through your wife, through your husband, through your father, through your mother, through your mother-in-law. I love mother-in-laws. I don't know why everyone gets the bad name for the mother-in-law joke, but, but how are we open to truth? If somebody would rebuke us, do we love truth? Would we embrace it? Or would we be like, no, I don't like that person. I don't want to hear it. I'm very concerned because we're in a generation that doesn't want to hear any rebuke. How many of you have used Facebook? Have you looked at any debate? You look at any topic 
I could go on Facebook and start 100 fires in 10 seconds. Just quote some few scriptures with a small tagline and boom, we'd have the church in an uproar. People would be fighting and, you know, if you didn't monitor the post, it turns wicked really quick. Are you kidding me? I mean, I know like godly Christians and they have many good friends and godly friends and how many fights are started? You've got such a problem. You can't be rebuked. I mean, come on, suck it up. We're part of a body like you're part of the church. Like, bear it. I love you and I want you to confront me. If you say, Don, the way you talked to your child was disrespectful. I'd probably be shocked for a second and then I'd be ashamed and I'd say, I'm sorry. And I'd go and apologize to my daughters and communicate truth. Because I want to walk in truth. I might be offended for a second, right? How can you talk to me like that? They're children, and they upset me, and I, I didn't, just didn't wallop them, right? I didn't just slap them really good like I wanted to or whatever, right? It's very easy for us to say, yeah, I really want to walk like Jesus. Oh, God, search me. And then we close our eyes and shut our ears, and we don't want to read certain portions, or we don't really want to look at that because, oh, my grandma used to tell me that all the time, or my mom and my dad always told me that, and my, my uncle told me that, and people always told me I shouldn't do that. Do you know how much I see that? Almost always. In America. In India, they just smile and go, yes. That's even harder. You know, I like when you, when you hit a rock, it breaks. It's hard when you keep hitting people and they just don't move. They're just like, okay, yeah. It's like, no, <laughs> there should be some change. <sighs> we say we love Jesus, but we're really not often open for rebuke. We're really not open to this correction. That's wrong. That's pride. That's sinful. It doesn't matter how godly you are. We should be able to just open up and say, do you guys have any problem with me? Do you know how many times I've done that? Hello? I'm talking to you. Can you do the same thing? Can you just come up here and say, hey, is there anything that you think that I should change in my life? Hello? And, and we just talk openly. Do you know that how many times I've done that? At least four or five. And oh, people said it's open season. I felt like I'm in the dunk tank, like everybody's lined up like, yeah. And I've had fiery arrow after fiery arrow, abuse after abuse. And so I just pray and communicate through it. And, and somebody said something that was true. And I said, yes, um, what you've said is true. And I'm sorry about that in the past. If I've ever communicated in that way to make people feel bad in some situations of some people groups that are like these Cretans. <laughs> the bad testimony always. And so I maybe use the word Cretan or, you know, something like that. And they feel like... And so I said, yes, I understand, and so I'm sorry. And other people started flaring accusations they've heard about me. And so we put out fire after fire after fire. Some people that were ornery and wanted to fight, we put out another fire and another fire. Hello, do you understand? I'm open for rebuke, right? We as believers to say, I want to walk with Jesus. I want to be holy. Tell me anything in my life that you see. I don't think you guys have ever done that. Otherwise, you would be going, yes, brother, I've been there. I've done that a few times, and wow, what raging things you can hear sometimes. But among my students that lived with me for, for nine months, I heard the craziest wild stories, and, and they wouldn't dare tell me their sources, but they said, well, we've heard this about you, and this about you, and this about you. I'm like, no, that's not true. <laughs> no, that's not true. 
Some people said you're always a, a wicked man and swearing and cursing and fighting. I said, that's crazy. Where would you hear that? No, no, I've heard it from a couple different people. I said, well, if I've ever said a swear word, I said it was in, 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 in a wounding or in haste and I apologize to people and I hate it. So I said, if it's from my heart, if I, if I can walk in it or justify it, that's evil. But if something slips out and I hate sin and I'm not walking in it and something that slipped once in my life or, or, or once in a year or something, then how could you, you know, embrace such a lie? Now, I hate that. And if I ever did anything wrong like that, if I ever abused somebody in anger, I would come back in deep humility and I'd be willing to testify to all that I'm sorry. I communicated to such and such a person in this way of anger and pride. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Right? Because we want to grow. But if you really want to be a child of God, would you open yourself up to such open communication? You know what the word is? Transparent. Another word, vulnerable. Another practical, to be holy in all conversation. Especially in a group like this of people that really want to follow God. Because there's many groups that would just say, no, you don't fit our cookie cutter and therefore you are not of us. And so before we even tell you all the things that are wrong with you, you are not of us. And you never will be. I've heard that before. That's great communications. I'm going to ask you the truth. Do you really want to be a disciple of Jesus? Hello, I want to ask you again. Do you really want that? When was the last time you asked your husband or wife, hey, is there anything in my life that, that you think that I should change? I'm willing to change absolutely anything in my life that God isn't pleased with. I bet there could be some suggestions. Hello? Praise the Lord. I'm happy you guys are practicing the holy face, but it should be through and through, right? <laughs> through and through. We are taught by the Spirit of God to live holy because it's our destiny, it's our purpose. We are excited and we're looking for that hope of the blessed God and the glorious appearing of that great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 14 who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Jesus shed his blood to bring us to himself, to purify us unto himself. Beloved, there is no joke in the kingdom of God about practical love for God in holiness. You are ordained to it. You are called to it. You'll be punished if you don't walk in it. Because we know without holiness, no man shall see God. And this word holiness was not made by man. And man does not dictate all the grounds of holiness because man only sees the outside. God's book is holy. His spirit speaks truths that are holy. His Holy Spirit teaches us to be holy. And if we are open, we will get instruction and correction and direction practically on many practical areas of holiness. But that alone in itself will not make you holy. Unless your heart is changed and right with God, unless you are holy from within, through and through, you are a hypocrite. It's very easy in a church that has this specific style, this specific action, this specific thing, at this specific time, do this and you are good. It's very easy to come along like the Jews who were rebuked because they went about to establish their own righteousness, did not submit to the righteousness of God. They knew the truth of God in Jesus Christ. They heard it. They saw it. They knew of the prophets. They called for deep repentance from the heart, but they had some laws that they knew were good, and they said, according to these laws, we're really good. 
God said, I know your thoughts and your words and your hearts. He even said, you whitewashed sepulchers. But beloved, without holiness, no man will see God. I want to ask you again, how is your secret life with God? Is your heart open? I challenge you by the grace of God, just like I do these sinners, come and be discipled. What is a disciple? They say, I want what you have. Okay, here's some practical guidelines. Here's some practical disciplines. And do you know there's a lot of practicals that can be applied? Well, I see you're sleeping 12 hours. Do you need to be sleeping 12 hours? (laughs) Why don't you cut that back? You're going to bed at such and such a time and waking up at such a time. Why don't we shift that to the nighttime? Hello, practicals. (laughs) Children, if you ever heard that from your parents, don't get angry. It's good. Be disciplined, right? Go to sleep on time so you can wake up on time to seek God because we have priorities. Practical disciplines. Don't go out with these friends. Don't do that. Do this. Don't do that. Do this. Don't do that. And as you are really submitted in your heart to Christ, you can joyfully submit to many things that are even sometimes far overboard. Will God honor the children who obey their parents who are wrong? There's a can of worms. Yes, God will honor you. Will God honor you if you have a zealous preacher leader and yet he's erred on some things and he says, no, you shouldn't do that and don't do that in the church. Okay, Lord. And you submit and obey? Would God honor that? Yes, absolutely. Beloved, do you understand God tests your submission by telling you things you don't want to do? And God tests your submission by these different levels of authority. And a mother and a father and a church leader and then politicians, governors, leaders, laws. Oh, what a searching. Hello, do we really enjoy submitting to God? It's very easy when we act like God is just out there somewhere. He doesn't tell me all the details of my life every day. Like, "Mm, don't do that. But I pray that you'll catch this and I pray that you'll follow because many of these things we've communicated is a life in the spirit. Putting off the old man, putting on the new man, walking in the newness of life. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Ye have the mind of Christ. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. There's this battle. If you're submitted from the heart, you can joyfully submit even to many wrong, uh, funny, strange rules, ideas, thoughts, philosophies. Because you want to just, whatever, say the scriptures. If you're a child of God, you profess Christianity. Because you want to honor your parents, even though they might be ungodly, even though they might have many strange things they tell you. And you seek the wisdom and counsel of the church. Say you're coming from an unchristian family and they say, don't go to church. Then you talk to the church and get consensus as a whole. What should I do in this situation? And hello, what do we do as a church? We meet together and we pray together and we wrestle together in prayer over issues that are practically facing us. Now, I don't know where you go to church, but I pray you don't just go to church because you are members one of another. That means we are together. That means we should talk and say, I'm struggling with my child. I'm not knowing what to do. I'm getting angry and impatient. I don't know how to guide them. I'm open for counsel. I have issues in my heart and you can't change me. Let's pray. Do you understand me? How many issues are in each individual life? And if we would bring those honestly before God as a church, do you know the power of God that would fill us? Do you realize the book of Acts was written afterwards? Afterwards. 
after it came. They had trial and crisis. They didn't have a huge rule book. What did they have? They had each other in the Holy Ghost. They had an upper room. They met together and they prayed. They wrestled over the things that were troubling them, the things that broke their heart, the things that excited them. Somebody's in prison. Our leader's in prison. They prayed fervently for him. God set him free and they didn't even know it. I said, really? No, it's his angel or something. He must be dead. We were praying for his freedom, but this is fast. But they prayed and God revealed practical wisdom. Beloved, I pray that you will hear clearly what I'm saying. It means being open, being vulnerable, being real, really wanting Jesus likeness, not just putting on a show. Oh, how we can build up walls, especially we say for young couples, right? You're, you're married and you're like, okay, now I, I got my life together and both boy and girl are doing good. They're nice and godly. They get married and all of a sudden you don't hear from them anymore. Oh, yeah, they're, they're busy with each other, busy in marriage and so on. And, and they just distance themselves from friends. Okay, yeah, that's normal. Also, yeah, that stuff happens in marriage. But then sometimes there's issues, attitudes, flesh comes up, things they never saw in their hearts. And now all of a sudden things come up. And yet they're not open to talk about it with people. They still have that same image like, yeah, I'm good. But inside they're raging like, I don't know what to do. I need help. I'm having trouble with my children. I don't know how to communicate with my wife. I'm struggling, right? So many different things. Could we not be open and honest and fervently pray? Beloved, if we are not fervently praying, no one's going to feel comfortable to bring out any communication. I hate lukewarm prayer meetings where nobody comes with their heart. I hate that. I love to death. I would rather be in a fellowship with God in prayer with other saints than anywhere else. But oh, when I hear the death of cold, dry, dead prayers, of people that, that literally do not pray in secret, they just come and pray in public, and they go through some prayers of just communications of words rather than from their heart, then I, I don't want to share much. But if you hear one person share their heart, their life, their struggles, their desire for godliness, their weakness... Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. Why? What comes with that? For the effectual fervent prayers of the righteous avail much. And we need a revival in the church of God because we're too distracted with many things. Everything else is a priority except the priorities of God. This is his will, your sanctification, your holiness. This is the will of God. And if I love you, I want what God wants for you. And I will confess a hundred of my sins to help you confess one of yours. Because we want to grow. And God help us if we just finally let it out. And say, yeah, I have many things together, but I have areas of my life I don't have it together. Beloved, can we wrestle together on our knees? Can we pray together in communion with God? I pray that you would be in that type of heart and fellowship and that you would come to be changed and revived and strengthened. Because we have serious issues that rise in life and in work and in missions. When was the last time you wept for me? You should weep for me all the time. I need great grace. I fail all the time. I struggle. I'm in over my head often. And it's not a grave that I dug, but I'm trying to get out of it. At least of the amount of duties that I have, I'm trying to cut back, lest by any means my mental sanity come to pieces. I need to be sensitive to follow the Spirit of God it's very hard when duty upon duty is very crucial. And I pray that God would give me grace and wisdom. Anyways, you're all welcome to come to my place for prayer. We're always open. 
We're happy to have you over for dinner. Like I said yesterday, I've come here very many times over many years, but none of you have come to visit me. <laughs> right? Some of you have known me for how many? Like 10 years almost? 12. Maybe 12 years, and not one of you ever came. You're coming. You're coming. You're coming, praise God. We're in Dehradun, north of India, north of, north of New Delhi. Listen again to these words. Holiness. To be sanctified. To be set apart for holy use. To be made full, whole, complete. To be led by the Spirit. To put on the new man. To crucify the flesh with its affections and lusts. To walk in the liberty of the children of God. To be led of the Spirit. For if you're led of the Spirit, then you are the children of God. To be holy and without blame. To be spotless. To be blameless. To be pure. Beloved, are you really wanting to be Christ-like? I ask these questions to you in all sincerity. I lay my heart open before you. Yes, I want to be Christ-like in the areas that I've been failing. I do not want to fail again and again. But beloved, where is your heart? Where is your heart? We need reviving. We need help. We need to be able to share our burdens one with another. We need to be able to open our hearts one with another. But we can't do that without broken humility and honesty and fervency in prayer. But you know when we've had revival that, oh, one person opens like a volcano. They can't hold back anymore. And bam, they're free and jumping around. And you're looking going, I want that. And finally, another one lets out. Another one lets out. Remember any times like that? Oh, when people go weeping, broken, burdened, and they rise and their faces shining like the sun. Yeah, I would give my life for that. I'm grateful when people are touched by God to walk more right with him. Praise God. May the Lord help us to really love one another. Practically. Because sometimes burdens are so overwhelming that we don't see our way through. Even our sins, even though our sins might seem small, emotions can be so high that we can't see clearly. We can't think clearly. We just feel anger towards the situation and we don't know how to process through it. Beloved, we need to be able to humble ourselves together. We need to be able to walk with God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. The Lord knows what things we have need of, beloved, and I pray that you would take very seriously the call to repentance. You'd take very seriously the call to holiness. You would take very seriously the need for transparency because mostly the church is not walking holy and without blame. Beloved, we need more of Jesus. And he's calling us to be holy. He said, be ye holy because I am holy. And he's provided all for us and he died for us and shed his blood that we would be a holy people without spot and blameless, that we'd be a peculiar treasure, unique to the Lord, set aside for him. Beloved, I pray that in the depth of your heart you could say, yes, Lord, please, and forgive me and help me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you love us and you call us and you convict us and you urge us. And Lord, we sense that you are holy. The angels and the saints and all are crying, holy, holy, holy. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive blessing, honor, glory, and power. Thou art worthy, O Lord, for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. I pray, Lord Jesus, in these meetings we would be meeting with you. 
God, we need to hear from you. We need to be changed. It's not about emotion. It's not just about an intellectual ascent. Not just, yes, yes, we've heard some good things. But, God, that we would be impacted by your spirit. Not of words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Because, Lord, this change is not of man, neither by men. Lord, even as Paul said, I am amazed that you have so quickly turned away Christ, turned away from Christ. Before your eyes, he was evidently set forth, crucified among you. You understood him fully in his revelation, and now you've turned away to not be obedient to the truth. Oh, Jesus, would you please save us from such bewitchment, such entrapment, such enticement, such deception of lusts, desires, natural passions, natural pleasures, the pleasures of this life, the love of the world. Oh, Jesus, please help us. And as we pray and formulate thought and conviction on family life and church life and social life in this world, God, would you please give direction and wisdom and understanding, wise answers from heaven, that we would be blessed as a church of God and that the churches would be strengthened with a clarity of purpose and vision. And we could all say, yea and amen in Jesus Christ. As we are led by the Spirit, we say yes and absolutely, Lord. Jesus, we need you, and we want to walk in obedience to you. And we will experience your glory in the land of the living. We can walk in your peace and in your presence. And we give you thanks for the fellowship time together. And thank you, Lord, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, Lord, we know that our God is a consuming fire. So, Lord, come and ignite our hearts afresh. Encourage, draw, and convict us for your glory. We bless you and we praise you in Jesus the Christ's name. Amen. Very interestingly, I wanted to read that hymn that we sang. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? It's neat that you guys sang that without coordinating. I think the Spirit's speaking clearly, right? Listen carefully to these words. You have longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase and have earnestly, fervently prayed but you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the spirit control. You can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you yield him, your body and soul. Would you walk with the Lord in the light of his word and have peace and contentment all way? You must do his sweet will to be free from all ill. On the altar, your all you must lay is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid. Your heart does the spirit control. You can never be blessed or have peace and sweet rest until you yield him your body and soul. Oh, we never can know what the Lord will bestow of the blessings for which we have prayed. Till our body and soul he doth fully control and our all on the altars laid. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the spirit control. You can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul. Who can tell all the love he will send from above and how happy our hearts will be made of the fellowship sweet We shall share at his feet when our all on the altar is laid. 
glory to God when the Holy Ghost bears us witness and our all is on the altar. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, did God talk to you tonight? I hope so. He talked to me. I never know what to do, to be plumb honest, when I stand up most of the time. But I have one thought. Does anybody want to confess anything? Anybody want to ask for prayer for anything? She has something? That's good, a three-year-old. So... Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the Lord. Spoke to me, and I don't know. I mean, I could sit down and ask people to pray for me, and that would be fine. Um, I can't think of a particular thing except, do I love God more than any, anyone or anything else? It's a test. We love one another. That's good. Hopefully, it's the love of God. So. So does anybody want prayer tonight? That's the thing I'm hearing in my heart. Maybe you want it, but you're afraid to say it. But Jesus ain't ashamed of you, so let's not be ashamed of him. I'm not standing up here as great and mighty. I need him. I seeing inconsistency, sure. When I get exposed, I repent. Yeah, I do. I've repented to many of you, and maybe there's some things that you think I should have repented of that I didn't. So I guess if you want to tell me about that right now, if that helps somebody else, I'd be happy to have you tell me. Amen. Amen. Well, why don't you come up and maybe we could pray for you. Not as somebody that's great, but as fellow fellow people. Amen. Amen.